Anthony O'Neill is a up and coming YouTuber, pastor, who did this video series called Black History. Uh, the interview series, the video series was uh, was broken up into four parts, right? Segment one was they were talking about wealth and privilege. Uh, segment two, talking about do African-Americans play the victim? Uh, segment three was had a clickbait title, so you probably saw it. Uh, it was something along the lines of he said black people rather look rich than actually be rich. Now, let's be real. There's some truth to that. Why are we offended by that? We'll get into that later. And the last one, is financial success harder for black people? So here's my opinion. All right, all right. So let's just dive right in. Uh, listen, man, uh, I thank y'all for reaching out and telling me to do this. I love this. Uh, you know, there's one thing that Bootleg Like Jazz is about, and Bootleg Like Jazz is about creating generations of critical thinkers. Uh, and with that said, uh, Anthony O'Neill is a up and coming YouTuber, pastor, who did this video series called Black History. And, you know, this is March 11, 2020. But just like anybody black will tell you, black history is all year long, right? 365 and a quarter. Um, let me jump, let's jump, jump right in. So uh, the interview series, the video series was uh, was broken up into four parts, right? Segment one was they were talking about wealth and privilege. Uh, segment two, talking about do African-Americans play the victim. Uh, segment three was had a clickbait title, so you probably saw it. Uh, it was something along the lines of he said black people rather look rich than actually be rich. Now, let's be real. There's some truth to that. Why are we offended by that? We'll get into that later. And the last one, is financial success harder for black people? So here's my opinion. So he asked them to describe wealth, to describe privilege uh, in four words. And listen, personally, I think that's dope. I think that a lot of us um, on both sides of the aisle of all different ethnicities uh, don't understand how, don't understand our privilege, you know, um, but especially so on along the racial and ethnic lines. And let's be frank, that is everything in this country. Um, if I had to describe privilege in four words, uh, I came up with um, I came up with global racial gender privilege global because as a black American, um, things are a lot. Things are pretty, pretty great for me compared to other black folks in this world. Like, Real talk. And let's just leave it. Let's just start there. That's a huge thing. However, I don't, though I do live in the world, I live here in the United States of America and more specifically Houston, Texas. And that is where race comes in and then next gender and so forth. And, and race, racial privilege, white privilege, right, is also about that. But it's also conversations and topics about classism. And I think that, uh, you know, we need to look at this a lot more. Right. Because there's questions about implicit bias that comes up and it needs to be talked about. Right. There's colorism conversations we need to talk about. There's education. There's financial literacy. There's, uh, edu you know, public education. And they jumped into that as well. And I'm going to get into that. Um, and so I personally think that uh, that's my that's how I would describe a uh, privilege. Um, in a video, a few people were criticized for using the word 
white when describing uh, a privilege. And I didn't really understand why they were being criticized for that. I thought that was uh, actually uh, a, a spot on, right? Um, because like, you know, um, you know, white privilege is real. When you're applying for jobs and they can read your name and see that your name is black sounding, white sounding, there you go, right? This is why we see people who immigrate here, right? Change their names to be more Western white sounding, right? There's always some sort of equivalent of it. And that is one of those reasons. Um, to be, to, to kind of, to criticize somebody for using the word white, to describe privilege, to identify it, uh, for me, that, you know, like, there's no place for that. Of course, privilege has everything to do with whiteness from the get-go. Um, so there's that. Um, uh, another question they were asked, is black culture as a group in a good place, right? I love this question. Yes, it ain't perfect, but hell yes, we are doing much better than, the, you know, in, in, in the totality of being here in the United States of America. Yes. Well, well Q, uh, what about Black Wall Street, bro? Right. Uh, they had their own banks. Right. And if you and, and find out more about Black Wall Street, go uh, you can go to the Intelligencer, uh, you know, uh, uh, publication online, intelligencer.com. Um, and then there's also an illustrated version. If you type an illustrated version of Black Wall Street, it'll, it'll come up. It's great. Right. Um, in the Black Wall Street, we saw this. And this is the 1920s. This is 1920s. This is this is huge. 40, 30, 40, 50 years before what I'm about to talk about. Radio just got invented. Right. Radio just got invented. OK, so when you go look at Black Wall Street, you see that black folks had their own grocery stores. They had their own banks. They had their own movie theaters. They had a lot of other, uh, you know, obviously barbershops and, and clothing stores and whatever. They had their own um, economic uh, sustainability. Right. The black dollar, who knows how many times it was circulating there. And, and, and Black Wall Street, this is, this is Oklahoma, all right? And double check me online, I could be wrong, but uh, this is Tulsa, Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. And over some incident that happened, similar to Emmett Till situation, right? Some, uh, by some accounts, you know, these two were in a couple. By other accounts, these two just met in the elevator. But a, a white girl, a white woman, and a black man um, were in the elevator together. Um, the elevator door is open, whatever happens, something happens. He runs out. She goes off to say this, to say that. Um, and what ensues is, um, vengeful, um, white supremacist anger and killing, um, and decimating that entire neighborhood commerce and what they had going on. And nobody was prosecuted for this, even still to this day. No reparations, no prosecutions, nobody going to jail. I bring that up because some people are like, well, Q, how are we really in a good place when we don't own anything? How are we in a good place when, you know, uh, you know, a white American male is making this much on a dollar compared to black folks? I get that. But when we look at the totality of what we're able to start doing now, and get accomplished and then have, you know, sort of accountability, things are different. Yeah, you're right. They had that. But now, um, to a large extent, us being able to go to college in a diverse setting, Q, 
get the use classrooms that have good, you know, resources, teachers who are really, uh, you know, uh, credible, doing great things, uh, and 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 starting businesses using tax business laws and to our benefit. Like, could we have gotten this if desegregation never happened? Huh? Right? Like, I love to ask people that question. Should we have desegregated or should we have fought for economic package? I don't know. It's great. It's a great question. We can debate debate about it all day. But in my opinion, yes, the black uh, the black community. As a group, we are in a better place in our totality of the history of the United States of America than ever before. Can it be better? Of course. But that's what I would say to that. They also went on to talk about education. And I always have a lot of opinions about it. Uh, And they said, is education the same in public schools of blacks and whites? And no, it's not. First of all, first of all, first of all, classroom resources, Teachers, APs, all of that, things are different. Things are different. You know, me personally, you know, if you are a principal or teacher of a predominantly black and Latino school, y'all need to be busting your asses to get people that look like those kids in those positions of authority, period. You know, like imagine, you know, imagine, you know, trying to discipline a kid with some trauma that you as a white person has never experienced. Like, first of all, first of all, if it was an adult who went through that trauma, we as adults would not let nobody talk to that adult who does not understand. They, you know what I'm saying? It's like straight up. So that's what I got to say about that. All right. Video two. Video two uh, dealt with um, do we play the victim? And, you know, no and yes. Listen, man. Listen, listen. Lynching. They just Listen. Colorado, this is March 11, 2020. Colorado just officially banned discrimination along natural hair. If you think that black folks are living in a prejudice-free, racial-free, discriminatory-free country, you're out of your fucking mind. Dead ass. So, do we play the victim? No and yes. Look at our numbers. African-American women are in school. They're starting businesses. That's not playing a victim. We got rappers. We got ball players. you know, having careers, you know, uh, reaching back, starting businesses. That's not playing a victim. We got we got folks becoming teachers and going back to their communities. We got people starting their own businesses. We got artists. We got art communities. We got playwriters. We got things happening here. We got Houston Museum of African-American Culture trying to do that, trying to do the damn thing. The Shrine of Black Madonna trying to do that damn thing. We don't play the victim. But we tell you, you don't listen, but we tell you when shit ain't going right. That's when you want to assume that we play the victim. OQ, y'all should stop talking about slavery. Let me break that. Let me talk for a second. Number one, we should never stop talking about slavery until we are paid reparations. When we are paid reparations, and we will be, and we do deserve it, then I think that conversation has has merit. Why? Because you, it, is, it is proven. The United States of America did fuck up and do something wrong. They haven't atoned for it. Uh, also, you know, something else to think about when, when people, you know, when, when people tell me, oh, y'all should stop talking about slavery or whatever. 
Georgetown University recently, within the last five years, what did they do? They decided to own up that they got their endowment because of slaves. Until we deal with what has gone on, we can't move on. Period. Right. Georgetown is just a single case. How many other schools, how many other businesses, right, got their start because of slaves? We already know insurance. The whole idea of American insurance is about slaves. So from the moment, the the moment the first African slave had an insurance policy on him, white people who owned him and that insurance company that insured are profiting. 1619, 1619, 1860, something like that, 1870, slavery is officially abolished around And when we unpack mental health, when everybody really deals with their mental health issues, whatever it be, dead ass, it will always point back to the origin of this here United States of America. Period. I'm moving on. Uh, Section three. Uh, Section three. Do. uh, He said black people rather look rich than actually be rich. Let's be real. We know that's true. Stop playing and get out your feelings. Now, it is changing. It is changing. Absolutely. But let's be real. And with, with, with great reason. Also, you got to remember, we were told we had to be twice as better as white people. That meant looks and intelligence, how we speak and et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. We're going to care more about how we look than almost anything else. Because what? They tried to prove that the way we look scientifically proved that we were inferior. Right? Think about that for a second. They actually tried to scientifically prove using people with advanced degrees, graduate degrees, convince them that we, our appearance was inferior to everyone else. So it is, it is, it is highly conceivable that the African-American um, wants to look good because that's a reality. But yes, the narrative is shifting. We are shout out Houston area urban league, shout out all the people who are, you know, earning your leisure podcast. Other people were talking about financial literacy, black wealth, renaissance and all that. The narrative is changing, but the fact remains, that's kind of uh, what that goes to. So they talked about ownership versus employee, you know, dive into that. Entrepreneurship is, is true financial freedom. Uh, find out more about that. See if you got your own chapter in, in your city that can help you with that. Uh, You know, there was also something else interesting that was said. It was like uh, by 2054, the average African, and I don't know where they got this source from. I don't know. By 2054, the average African-American will have zero to negative wealth when the average Caucasian will have 150K or more. What is the source of that? Okay, that's what I want to know. They also gave a stat that dealt with, they said that, They said in the next 10, 20, 30 years, um, white people, so comparing white people and black people going to college, it said white people, once they graduate college, 10 years after they graduate, they will owe 65% of their loan back, whereas black folks will will owe 110%. 
So once again, what's the source? But, you know, as I listened to that, you know, the first thing I thought about <clears throat> straight up. Yeah, sure. You know, if I have 50, if I have a black man make $50,000 doing this job, but I know my white colleague is making 60, it doesn't matter how much he makes. I need a budget with mine. You're right. But in $50,000, there's only so much you can save and only so much you can do something with straight up. My point is this is like white people are still getting these jobs. They're still getting these opportunities that we're not. They're still being, they're still making these connections and networking and getting these opportunities that we we don't have, right? So yes, I could see them having more of their loan paid back compared to us because they are getting more on the dollar than us. They are getting these better jobs than us. They are getting into these opportunities that we don't. And that's also a reality. But yes, also as our community, not only just black folks, but Latinos as well and Afro-Latinos, we do need to, uh, think about our financial future, what we want, and start investing in it and start taking it seriously, right? But none of this can be said without talking about the environment, what goes on. So the last video I talked about, is financial success harder for black people? Yes, it is. No research needs to tell you that, it is. We know about why it is. I do think though now, and I, and I, and and th and, I, and this is Nipsey Hussle, right? This is his idea. I forget the song that he talks about it on, but he's right. This is the new industrial revolution we're living in. Technology, business plans, LLCs, uh, C corps, S corporations, and so much more. This is our opportunity. Not necessarily maybe to catch up, but to do right with what we do have. And with these opportunities that we have, right? Here's, and, and that's that difference. And that's what I think that um, we can do when we talk about financial success being harder for black folks compared to white folks is re realize that that's a reality. But then we do need to look at what we have in already that we can work with to turn that into limits, to turn that into a business, to turn that into generational wealth, to turn it into health wealth, turn it into mindset wealth and more and beyond. And my last thing, you cannot talk about financial literacy, financial success without one thing, and that is politics. I'm sorry, but black folks, Latino folks, I'm finna go on the hook. Whether we like a candidate or not, we've got to vote. We do. Federal voting, voting in federal elections, state and local elections, all matter. You know why? You know how I know that? ALEC, A-L-E-C, American League Exchange Council. The founder is on tape recorded at an event saying that their success is directly related to black and Latinos not turning out to vote. Me, personally, if somebody's trying to take something from me, that's how I know it has value. Hey, this is Q. You been listening to Bootleg Like Jazz? Uh, hey, uh, leave a comment. Tell me what you think. Good, bad, or ugly. Use the hashtag BLLJ. Hey, uh, tell me what you want me to talk about. Tell me who you want me to bring on. This is a listener-supported show, and I need your support. You can hear Bootleg Like Jazz on YouTube, Spotify, Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Patreon. Go subscribe. Go follow, turn on notifications, show some love. We out. <laughs>